Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This segment was presented by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a great rest of their day so far. I have a very special guest joining me right now. Will Vandervoort covers Clemson Tigers football and all sports as well on the Believe Network. Will, thank you so much for taking time out of your long weekend to come on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, Paul, thanks for having me again, man. I know we did this last year, and uh, that was pretty fun, so it's good that you invited me back. I must have did okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, anyone you know who covers Clemson football the way you do um, and the content you bring, I think you do an outstanding job. And, Will, I know you're on the Believe Network. You're everywhere. You're a hardworking individual. Where can the good people find you to listen and uh, talk about Clemson football? Yeah, so um, um, we're on uh, Believe in Clemson football. Uh, with LeVon Kirkland and myself. Uh, LeVon Kirkland, of course, is a former All-American, um, All-Pro with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so he uh, he was an All-American here at Clemson. And so me and him started it last year. We did it just weekly last year. Um, did it all the way up through the spring. Um, and then, of course, we've taken a little break, uh, obviously, because, you know, it's not as much news going on football-wise at this point in time. Um, but we're going to crank it back up here to a, a daily podcast starting sometime at the end of this month. So pretty excited about that. Going to go daily with it. And uh, we're excited to see where it goes. We'll have a lot of former Clemson players, maybe a few Pittsburgh Steelers on as well, since LeVon, I mean, I'm a big, huge Steelers fan, and LeVon is still, um, even after his playing days. So, you know, we'll try to mix it up a little bit, but obviously 99% of what we do is going to be about Clemson football. And uh, so they can find us there on that. And, of course, you can find me on the Clemson Insider um, where I work, uh, you know, covering the Tigers and have for the last uh, almost decade now there. Go check out Will Vandervoort, man. He does an outstanding job. Well, let's get into it. Last time we spoke, Miami was taking on Clemson in Death Valley. I even went publicly, said Miami was going to win the game with a late-minute field goal to seal it off, and that will be the signature win of Coach Manny Diaz's tenure at Miami. Yeah, I, I was completely off. I mean, Miami literally didn't even show up. We give up, we give up over 120 yards and penalties. It was raining, depressing on Miami's end. And Clemson does what they do best. They take care of business. They're a very consistent football team under, you know, previously Trevor Lawrence under center. I mean, you know, what were your thoughts? I know it's a long time from today, but what were your thoughts on that matchup with Clemson and Miami? I think, you know, that game, as I told you, you know, I thought that was a good matchup for Clemson. And I thought Miami had some players that could give Clemson some issues that day. But I thought over, overall Clemson could win that game and win by a couple scores, I thought, because I just, as I said, I think I told you during that podcast that Miami just wasn't where Clemson is right now. And I think that's what um, Manny Diaz and his program noticed and probably had a good idea anyway, to be honest with you. Coaches generally know 
going in where they're at and they know they're this and this is going to have to happen if they're going to get a win if they're not where Clemson is and so I think more than anything it just kind of showed the separation Clemson has in this conference still um, uh, doesn't mean that there isn't hope for somebody else doesn't mean that teams aren't catching up Miami had a very good recruiting class this year so they're they're definitely showing some consistency and that's how you build a program you you know Dabo when you go back to 2009 in 2010, Clemson was where Miami is right now. And people were saying, well, is he going to be the guy? A lot of people didn't think he did, but he kept being consistent with his recruiting and being consistent with his coaching staff and keeping that continuity. And those are the things that hold true as you go through and building a program. And um, I think you saw one program that's in their second year with their head coach. And you saw another program that was in their 12th year with their head coach. And you saw the separation in that game. You know, well, you bring up a great example. It took Dabo Sweeney quite a little while, I think seven seasons, to really implement that culture he wanted to at Clemson. I was at the game in the Orange Bowl when they got blown out by West Virginia. He still couldn't beat South Carolina, which is a big in-state rival for Clemson. You know, it, it was a blueprint for patience. And we're seeing a lot of turnover in modern-day college football. You see it at Tennessee. You see it at Texas. You see it at the University of Miami. Three to four years, and you're gone. You don't get that fifth, sixth year. And Clemson was very patient with Dabble Sweeney. And now look at it. It's paying off and they're contenders for the college football playoff year in and year out. Speaking of the college football playoff, Will, you guys lost to Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence is no longer the quarterback under center at Clemson. He was the number one overall pick going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have DJ Ugale. That's how you pronounce him. My apologies if I'm off. You can help me out with that better. Help you out with that. <laughs> All <laughs> right. It's Uwe Ungale. Okay, Ugalongale. God, that's a tough <laughs> name, man. I'm, I'm going to have trouble. Just look at it this way. The way it's spelled is the way you pronounce it. Okay. okay. So we just look at how it's spelled, and you'll be able to pronounce it. All right. Well, well I mean, how does Clemson look going into this upcoming season? The 2021 Clemson Tigers, you know, is, is there – potential you see to make a run for the national title game as well or do you think that gla that gap is a little bit closing with other ACC opponents such as North Carolina you know maybe Miami's creeping in there I highly doubt it <laughs> but you know how do, how do you think the program fares this upcoming season first of all don't be too don't be too down on your canes I think um, I definitely think they're a contender in the coastal division I really do North Carolina I got some questions with North Carolina because they lost a lot of skill players um, you know, they lost both running backs. They lost um, a couple of pretty good wide receivers. Yeah, they got Sam Howell, but, you know, he needs some help. I mean, this is, yeah. you get, they're not – North Carolina is not where Clemson is, where they can just lose that amount of talent and then just bring somebody in, right? I mean, Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State, they're sort of rare breeds right now because of the level of recruiting they've done for such a long period of time. You're going nearly a decade or so. Those three schools have been recruiting at a high level. So – you know, I don't see – I'm still questioning North Carolina right now. I don't – everybody keeps thinking they're going to be a 10-win team, an 11-win team. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be at the ACC Media Days later this month. I'm going to pick Miami to win the Coastal Division. Okay. Um, I think Miami, because of who they have quarterback, because of who they got, some skill positions, uh, because I think they're going to be better on the defensive side of the ball overall. Um, I think – and then the, some of the transfers they've had come in – I think Miami's better positioned than North Carolina to win that division right now. Um, now, I doesn't mean it's going to be a runaway. I think it's going to be a close between those two. 
Um, but I think they're both clearly the two best teams in that Coastal Division, and I think it's going to come down to whoever wins that game is going to represent the uh, the Coastal Division against Clemson. And then, you know, I think, you know, the, the main question you ask is where is Clemson right now after they've lost Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and they they lost Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. And um, But, you know, as I mentioned, Clemson recruits at such a high level. They have, you know, got Justin Ross coming back at wide receiver who's they've already said they're going to use him in the slot. Now this is a six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver who can run a four four forty, and he's going to be in the slot going up against safeties and linebackers. Kind of run the same that um, uh, the Alabama ran Smith last year, the exact same way, exact same kind of system. I think the the Alabama kind of showed a blueprint when you have a lot of skilled players like Clemson has. When you know everybody's like, well, who else do they have? Well, they got Joseph Ningata a guy who they think they thought last year, if he wouldn't have got injured, would have been a breakout superstar. Uh, they got him now back this year. They got Frank Latson, who was injured a lot last year. He's coming back. He's a guy that's got experience as well. Um, they got EJ Williams, who emerged at, at the end of the year, emerged as a big-time playmaker. Actually, he was better than his freshman year at the end of the season than what T. Higgins showed his freshman year at the end of the season. So here's a guy that, yeah, I'm comparing him to T. Higgins because I think he can be that good. Um, you know, so he showed flashes that he can be that good. And so you got him, Justin Ross, Ningata, Latson, and you got this guy, this freak called a Joe Joe. And uh, he's really coming to his own. The coaches are really excited about him. He's from Canada. Had to kind of learn American football a little bit. It's taken him a little bit, but now they think the light bulb really started to uh, appear toward the end of spring. Um, he's another guy that's going to come in. Uh, Brandon Spector is another guy. So they're loaded at wide receiver with four and five stars all across the board, right? And then um, and then in the backfield, they got, uh, you know, Lynn J. Dixon is the veteran coming back, tra- replacing Travis Etienne. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how, how he does. He was pushed in the spring by Kobe Pace, a sophomore, who Travis Etienne said was probably the best of all the running backs. Uh, coming back for Clemson. So be interested to see what that competition is like in fall camp. Um, and then, of course, you get the five-star Will Shipley they brought in. Uh, they brought in four-star Phil Moffa. Both those guys had excellent springs. Dabo Sweeney says physically and mentally they are ahead of any freshman running backs he's ever had and coached. Um, so you got some talent there. At quarterback, of course, it's DJ Uyangle. Um, a lot of people call him DJU or, uh, or uh, El Cinco or ha- however you want to say it. Um, he's, um, he's, he's, he's an extremely talented guy. I mean, he literally can literally throw the football 80 yards, literally. Now, he seems to be pretty darn accurate doing it too. If you watch the Notre Dame game and watch the Boston College games, he showed he's pretty good at throwing the deep ball. Let's see if he can do that consistently now that defenses are going to be game planning for him. Um, but I think he's got the talent. Um, in those two games, he threw for over 900 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and completed 70% of his passes. So I think he's showed he's got the skill set to, to be a pretty darn good quarterback and, and really kind of fit the need that Clemson needs. And also, he's going to be important in the running game because he's a big guy. He's six foot four, 250 pounds. That's coming out of the spring. So they want they may run. You may see a lot of quarterback power, sort of Cam Newton. So he's sort of Cam Newton-esque, but way better of a passer than Cam Newton ever was. And that's what makes him even more dangerous. Interesting to see how Clemson uses him, though, because they are in a situation at backup quarterback with Tyson Pupachon. He uh, tore his Achilles heel with a minute to go in the spring game. 
Um, they don't know when they're going to get him back. They could get him back some point during the season. If I had to guess, it's going to be somewhere around October, given how long it takes for an Achilles to, to, to totally heal. Um, so he's not in a boot anymore. That's the good news for Clemson fans. He's now um, – he, he was at Dabo Sweeney's camp. He got out of the boot the second week he was in camp. So uh, he's not – so he's, he's walking around normal. That's good, doing his physical therapy and those things. We'll see where he is. But that's the big question mark for Clemson offensively and what this team can do. Because remember, defensively, they got 10 starters coming back on a defense that everybody thought was down, but yet they led the ACC in total defense or second in the ACC in scoring defense, uh, tied, uh, tied nationally for the lead in sacks uh, in the country, and then were second in the country in tackles for a loss. So for a defense that supposedly was down, um, I do air quotes here, uh, they um, they did pretty darn good, but now they bring all those guys back, even more experience. Um, they're kind of pissed off, if you will, after what happened in the Ohio State game. Kind of want to show they're better than that. It's going to be interesting how they do. And But I think it all boils down to can you keep DJ healthy? And if they can do that, then Clemson is definitely one of the top four teams in the country. Yeah, I agree. I think Clemson's going to, you know, start where they left off. And, you know, DJ's performance against Notre Dame was phenomenal, 10 out of 10. And I think he really – it's going to be picking up where Trevor Lawrence left off. And I think DJ is – he's a phenomenal quarterback. And you mentioned it, you know, his measurements, 6'4", you know, 220-plus pounds. I mean, he is a big body. You know, I think you can really utilize him, like Will stated, you know, in a power run game and a power spread offense. I think DJ can really thrive. When you mentioned, you know, DJ and, you know, past quarterbacks at Clemson, I, I was kind of thinking, who does he remind you of? Maybe maybe not at Clemson or overall, because I think he's a lot more advanced than Taj Boyd. Yeah, well, he is more advanced at this point in his career than Taj was, um, but he does show a lot of similarities. He's bigger than Taj. Uh, Taj was about 6'2", 225, which was a big guy to play quarterback. Um, he's 6'4", 250, so he's even bigger. That's why I, I said he's more Cam Newton from a physical standpoint. Gotcha. Um, because he's you know six four six five, got this big body type, two hundred and fifty pounds. He looks more like a linebacker than a quarterback, but yet he has a skill set of a Trevor Lawrence. He can throw very accurate passes, um, intermediate or long. Um, I think he from a long from from throwing the ball long. I think he's better than Trevor Lawrence on the long ball. Really, um, Taj Boyd actually was probably the best long ball passer Clemson has had, um, and I, I see. I see uh, DJ being as very as good as Taj was. Taj was real good about saying, "Okay, I got these playmakers," and he had Sammy Watkins and and uh, uh, and DeAndre Hopkins out there. And Taj would just say, "I'm just going to throw it as far as I can, and I know those guys are going to run underneath it and make plays." I think that's what you're going to see with DJ. He's going to trust his receivers, and he's just going to chuck it and let his guys go get the ball, and um, that makes them dangerous. But then, what he does in the running game, or what he can do in the running game. You saw previews of it last year. Um, actually ran it against Miami, ran a quarterback power a couple times against Miami. Actually injured his shoulder in that game, by the way. Oh, wow. So they stopped running it with him because they wanted to make sure they didn't damage that shoulder. But he did in, in, injure his shoulder in that game um, running that power play. And so uh, they'll be more cognizant of that this year. And uh, so the way I see it, Paul, if I had to guess, the Georgia game, you're going to see Clemson throw out their whole entire playbook. Yeah against Georgia, DJ's going to be running, all that stuff. And then you won't see DJ run again and probably till the postseason when he gets to the AC championship game. Because I don't want – I don't. I think they 
feel like, okay, they don't need to run him yeah. against everybody else. And let's not risk him getting injured because they're going to need him from the home stretch, obviously. Yeah, you know, well, it's funny you mentioned the Georgia game then home stretch because there was a tweet that said, hey, Clemson's home football schedule. And then everybody in the comment section was like, it's kind of a boring home schedule, you know? <laughs> Nothing really. You, you got Georgia Tech. Maybe that's something. I don't know. But there's Florida State. Yeah. yeah ugh, nothing out of the ordinary, you know? I mean, Miami's just the name, the brand. Okay, it's Miami coming to town. We rarely play Clemson. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe North Carolina, but no, nothing out of the ordinary. But that first game of the year against the Georgia Bulldogs, you mentioned it. You got to go all out because that's going to be a shootout. And I honestly think Georgia, this is probably one of the better Georgia football teams I've seen in a while. And that's mm-hmm. due to quarterback play with JT Daniels. Yeah, I think they're they're much better. Um, I, I'm still wondering who's going to be their players on the outside um, because they had a couple injuries and, Kind of had some setbacks on the outside at wide receiver. Could Darion Kendrick, who played at Clemson and also played some wide receiver, could he be a guy that kind of they throw in there as a, as a wrinkle or two? Um, he's more than capable, obviously. Um, yeah, Georgia is going to be tough. I mean, this is a top five team. Um, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, I know you're probably too young to remember this, but back in the day, uh, Clemson and Georgia played every year. Okay. Um, and it was a um, it was a dogfight. Uh um, I've written about it several times. I even dubbed it the uh, 11 year war uh, from 1977 to 87, where uh, they, they played these classic games that uh, meant a lot on the national picture. 1980 and 81, Georgia won the national championship in 80. Clemson won it in 81. Uh, they, uh, they had big dog fights that l- literally went down to the, yeah, I think of the 11 games, nine were decided by, um, yeah, let's see, is this right? Yeah. Nine were decided by five points or less. Ten were decided by seven points or less. And um, at one point, the last four games that they played during that set, it it was all about a field goal decided the game, whether somebody was making one to win the game or not, Um, So it or tie the game. So it it was crazy um, period there. Um, And the games always meant so much on the national picture. Uh, And it became a very good rivalry around the country. Everybody looked forward to it. Obviously, Clemson and Georgia fans did. They usually played it that first or second week of the season, similar to what they've done here. But then the SEC added an extra game, so Georgia had to drop Clemson. And um, and so that's how it stopped being played every year. Um, and here's another thing a lot of people don't realize. Clemson and Georgia are 73 miles apart. They're, oh, they're wow. a bigger – Clemson, yeah. Georgia, if they played every year like they used to, would probably be a bigger rivalry to both schools than Georgia to Florida, Georgia to Auburn, Clemson to South Carolina, Clemson to Georgia Tech. Because, you know, yeah, Clemson and South Carolina are in the same state, but they're 132 miles apart. Georgia and Clemson are 73 miles, and they recruit the exact same players. Clemson and South Carolina don't recruit the exact same players. Very rarely do they did they come across the same guys. Clemson and Georgia are always battling it out for the same players, always have. And so it made the rivalry be even better because you had so many. Like I counted this year, Clemson's got 22 guys on their roster uh, from the state of Georgia, 22 scholarship players. That's just scholarship players from the state of Georgia. Um, I bet you outside of Georgia and Florida, you probably can't find a school that has more Georgia players on a roster. Um, so they, 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 they go after the same kids. Uh, Georgia comes in and gets kids from South Carolina. Clemson goes to Georgia and gets a lot of kids over there because there's so many. Um, and it makes it fun. 
Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight. Georgia's loaded, um, especially on the defensive line. Man, they're loaded on that defensive line. It's going to be interesting to see how Clemson, with this young offensive line, handles that. Um, and it's just going to be fun to watch Clemson, Georgia, playing in a game again that that has so much at stake, um, and it's so good for the rivalry. And um, I hate that they got to go to Charlotte to play it right now, but hey, that's the way it works out. They'll go to Charlotte and play the game, and um, and then after that, here in a couple of years, they'll do a home and home again. So. You know, well, I think that's why I love college football so much. You hear so many different stories, you know, regional rivalries. Oh, the 11-year war, Catholics versus convicts, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, There's always these titles versus these rivalry games, and there's a lot of culture behind college football. And that's why, in my opinion, I like it more than the NFL. There's more passion. In every little college town, when I visited Clemson, South Carolina, I mean, look, it, it's in the sticks, right? That's the appropriate word. Middle of nowhere, Clemson, no, it's South Carolina, line. you know, small college town. And this is home to the, you know, national champions, you know, under Dabo Sweeney. This small little town, every Saturday, they sell out the place and they go nuts for their Clemson Tigers. You had that all across the United States. And this is where my next question is going. The name image likeness bill just came out. It was NCAA releases it Thursday. They're passing it. Players can now make a profit off of their name, image, and likeness. This is a very, very interesting step for the state of college football and athletics in general. For the NCAA, where do you think we go from here? I mean, what, what's your opinion on this bill? And then I'll say mine. Well, um, first of all, I understand it. And I, um, I think it's good for the players, obviously. I think, you know, they, they, they're going to be the ones to finally kind of benefit some from the millions and millions of dollars that college football brings in every year. Um, I'm not worried. I know some people are worried about it's going to take away the, the purity of college football and things of that nature. And probably in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. I think it really depends on the culture in a program, um, how they're going to handle this, because – my concern with it is, okay, first of all, I think a lot of the money is going to come from social media, right? I mean, we see it. We see the um, uh, the influencers on Instagram and TikTok and that stuff like that, right, already making money. That's kind of what college football players are going to become. So I don't think it's going to be like you're going to see your, you know, you know, Johnny Johnson's, you know, doing such and such Ford dealership commercials, as some people probably think. There might be one or two. I think most of it's going to be online. Most of it's going to be social media. Um, so I don't think it's going to be that much in your face. Like I think some fans are worried about, um, but I do think it can be a distraction in the locker room. And what I mean by that is you got a DJ, Uyungle, who's let's just say could pull, you know, close to six figures or over six figures, you know, that's possible for some of these players. Right. And then you've got his starting offensive lineman, they're probably not going to make no more than 10, if that, Yeah. right? So how do you handle that in the locker room? K.J. Henry came out, Clemson's um, one of their starting defensive ends. He came out and he said, hey, guys, NI, he put this on Twitter the other day, NIL's great. It's, you know, we're, let's take advantage of blah, 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 but let's don't forget the locker room's the most important thing. Let's stay together. And that's him immediately stepping up as a team leader saying, I don't care what – Person A is making over here compared to person B. We're not going to get into that in the locker room. That's everybody's own individual person stuff. What we're going to do, we get in that locker room, it's about playing Clemson football. So I think it's going to be very important for the cultures 
and the, the leaders in all these locker rooms to try to separate the two and understand that, hey, look, you know, don't hold it against DJ because he's making money and you can't. That's not his fault. That's called capitalism. That's that's what it's all about. That's 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 what the mighty dollar is. And they're going to go after the ones that can market the best. That's just private business. That's their own personal. You can't hold that against DJ for being able to take advantage of it. So to me, that's my number one concern is that players are could lose focus and there could be some envy. You see it at the NFL level, uh, level from time to time. You see it in the NBA all the time. You see it in Major League Baseball all the time. So, you know, greed is what it is, right? And people are going to get envious. And so, you know, the teams that can handle that the best are going to be the ones that will be successful. Yeah, I think that was a great point. You know, hey, how about a guy working in the trenches? You know, all eyes are always on the quarterback at any other and at any program in college football. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, your team really relies on the quarterback and all eyes are you know staring at that position and you know the the there's a lot of notoriety that comes with playing quarterback at any elite level and your your name your your reputation at that school will be there for for decades to come generations to generations so you know the quarterback position will be making a lot of money so will other skill positions as wide receiver play you know cornerback play your safeties you know but those guys in the trenches your offensive linemen defensive linemen they're not going to get a lot of notoriety you know, and that's where I see it. You know, there, there could be a lot of dispute within the locker room. And another thing I, I see that people haven't been bringing up. What if these guys don't file their taxes properly? <laughs> You're 18, 19 years old. I listen, I'm still kind of like curious how this accounting stuff works. You know, I'm 26 years old. These guys are 18, 19 years old, you know, filing their taxes. There's a penalty in the United States if you don't file your taxes properly, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what if these deals go south? You work with a sponsorship and they're not paying you anymore, you know, or you're working with someone else in between and it, they're they're frauding you and you weren't making any, you know, all these little things. Not every deal in the world, every sponsorship is going to work out great. And these mm-hmm. are things you have to worry about on the side. Are you taking more time trying to, you know, kind of create more income for yourself or doing, you know, spending extra time in the weight room? you know, running routes in the practice facilities, you know, so I'm curious how this will play because these kids are 22 to 18 years old. That's a lot to handle to have your own income coming in and make sure you're handling it properly. So I'm very curious how this plays out, how much it's going to impact college football. And like, I think we spent the past 25 minutes on this show. I think there's a lot of passion and appreciation that runs across the country for the game of college football. And the last thing everybody wants is for it to change because of this so i'm curious how it will play out yeah i'm with you uh you know with the taxes on you know when you're i remember like i got a job when i was my sophomore year right in college right and you know i remember my taxes first came through and and i was a i was a waiter so you know a lot of my money was you know um the way I did it was, you know, I paid the taxes back later, you know, you know how it is because you got to claim so much as a server. So, you know, that's really, that was really complicated for me. Now, lucky I, I had a smart stepfather who knew how to do the taxes. So he did it for me, you know, so I, I kind of lucked out on that. So, so you're to your point though, do these players who are going to be getting 1099s and things of that nature, um, do they understand how it works? Like, you know, you need to probably set money aside to pay your taxes later because, I mean, you know, you're probably like me. You probably do a lot of freelance stuff like I do. And so you've got some 1099s, right? And you know to put like 30% of that aside. 
you got to put it aside so you can pay your taxes. Right. You you know do if somebody's canceling them that and saying okay you made you know three thousand dollars last month you need to put thirty percent of that aside for your taxes at the end of the year. You know that that needs to be done for them um, where they have so you hope they're getting the council and I think the schools will help that as much as they can. But then it comes to the individual player whether he understands how important it is not to spend all your money. Um, now there is a silver lining to all this. You know, you've seen the horror stories that have happened when these guys have gone pro and they've gotten all this money, right. When they become NFL players and then they, by the time they retire, they've blown it all. Right. And they have nothing. They're even probably more in debt than they were when they left college. And it's the sad story, right? Well, maybe this is a way to prevent some of that from happening. Now these kids can educate themselves like you can't blow your money. So now when they get this money in college, they're going to blow it because they're college kids. That's what we do when we get money in our hands, right? I mean, I did it. You did it. So they're going to blow it, but now they'll learn from it. So by the time they get 22, 23, and they get these big NFL contracts, some of them, and they'll get, you know, and all this, or maybe go to whatever profession, they'll know how to manage their money better. They'll have a better idea. So maybe that's the silver lining, but definitely in the immediate future, I think that is a concern for the schools is to make sure these kids are getting the right counsel to make sure they're handling their financials the way they need to. And then also where it's not, as you mentioned, and it's a very good point where it doesn't become a distraction because they're still going to be required to go lift weights, to get up at five 30 in the morning and go do workouts. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to do it, you know? And so, uh, coaches, Coach Sweeney and, and Manny Diaz, they're not going to say, oh, I forgot. You've got to go to a photo shoot today. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, guys. You know, Derek King, that's fine, buddy. You go ahead, do that. Don't, don't worry about your five. No, that ain't going to happen. They're going to have to figure a way to where they can do their things they need to do with their new uh, name, image, and likeness, and then also stay true to the exact same schedule they've been having the last, you know, however many years. You know, speaking of Coach Sweeney, Will, a couple years ago there was a quote that came out saying that he would leave the game of football, college football, I'm assuming, if players were getting paid. Mm -hmm. Can you add some clarity to that? You know, was that quote misconstructed? Is that still on the table for Dabo Sweeney? Because a lot of people, I think, when they saw the quote, you know, they're like, now that players are going to be getting paid, they're like, hey, is this really going to happen? So... You follow Clemson football. I'm sure you've been in press conferences with Dabo Sweeney talking. You probably were there when he said the quote. What's kind of the background to that in Dabo Sweeney's stance today on this name, image, likeness bill? Yeah, so I was there um, that day, and it was, it has been taken out of context for what he meant. So he was asked about the uh, – it was the Northwestern kids at the time that were trying to professionalize sports, and they were suing the NCAA and all this, and he got asked about – you know, professionalizing the sport, basically the college is paying. So Clemson paying and Miami paying players, making them employees. And Tabo, that's where he came out and said, if they become professionals, then that's the day I leave college football. And he said, I'll go to the NFL and do that because that's what the NFL is. He was talking about professionalism, not the name, image, and likeness. That was in 2014, about five years later, I even asked him this at the um, ACC spring meetings um, when the NIL bill or the working group started for the NCAA to figure out how they could do this. 
I asked Coach Sweeney about that, and he came out and said, this may be as a solution. He says, you know, he's, he's never been against – his whole thing is he wants the – he likes the current model. In other words, kids getting the scholarships and what they get and all the things that come with it. Um, he likes the improvements they've done where the parents are getting uh, money to help them travel to bowl games and things of that nature and playoffs. He likes the stipends. Um, where these players are getting the stipend money and all this stuff, and they get their Pell Grant money that helps. He likes the format of what it is, and he says, okay, you know, I don't think they should be professionalized, but their name, image, likeness is a solution. It's a way they can make money without taking away their amateurism, where we can keep the current model still in place without taking away the amateurism of college football and making it professional. That's what he said. So that was 2014. The first one was about being professionalism. Um, and then 2019 was about name, image, and likeness. And he said he was for name, image, and likeness. So these people that have turned this around and go back to that 2014 right. quote, they're not going back to 2019 when he said name, image, and likeness was a solution to the, all of this. And um, so I'm glad you asked me that question because it is one that a lot of people don't understand. I actually – had conversations with two, one former NFL player and one current NFL player to set the record straight with both those guys because they were out there doing that. And um, I let them know. I said, hey, man, you're wrong on this. You're taking it out of context. That's not what he said. I was at both press conferences. You know, I asked him the second question directly. The first question was totally taken out of context. That's not what he said. He did not say that in that term. He said it in professionalism, not name, image, and likeness, two different things understand what you're talking about so i'm glad you asked me about that so we can set the record straight yeah absolutely well thank you for that explanation because you know it's unfortunate but modern day uh, media you know you someone says something and they just run with it you know mm -hmm. just for the clicks and the likes and the notoriety of it you know their own likeness i guess popularity you know hey it's uh it's a uh, i guess it's a game right so i i am extremely glad you clear that up for us well um, that was a very good explanation as to someone who was there for both press conferences where, you know, they actually heard it live. So thank you for that, Will. And, you know, speaking about this name, image, likeness, Bill, um, you know, what programs do you think this is really going to benefit? And maybe some programs are going to get hurt. There's a theory out there that, hey, like maybe this isn't going to go well for a Nebraska for programs in smaller markets, whereas University of Southern California, this could go really well. For those players, Sports Illustrated ran a cover saying Miami, this is a lot of money can come to that program. Do you see it that way where smaller markets will be hurt by the name image likeness and this will really help out bigger markets? Because in my opinion, if you're good at Clemson, if you're good at Rutgers, if you're good at the University of Southern California and people like you, you're going to sell it. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, I think the winning culture within the college football program is what's going to create the market. What we're seeing in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon's a small little town. The, the mm -hmm. brand of Oregon has Nike behind it. And, you know, the, I feel like there's a big following for Oregon football because of that. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think a lot of it comes from how, whether teams are going to cheat or not. <laughs> <laughs> now, so so I got the, I had a meeting with uh, Graham Neff, the uh, um, deputy athletic director at Clemson. Uh, last week, right? And um, so he kind of explained it to me in person more. And one of the things I asked him was what you were talking about. And he says, well, if everything is done on the up, we're going to be fine. Him saying Clemson, because Clemson is a small market, um, as you've mentioned. And, and, and the reason he says fine is because they're not supposed to recruit, okay, 
they can't, when they're recruiting a kid, they can't, a booster of a business can't go and say, Hey, I can pay you X number of dollars. If you come to Clemson, right. he can't do that. Um, none of these business owners can touch these players according to NCAA rules and NCAA drew a hard line on this until they've been on campus. Once they get on campus, then they can start negotiating deals and things in that sort. They can't do it beforehand. So if it's done beforehand, it's going to be considered cheating. And so it's very important that the schools educate all the boosters on what they are supposed to do. And I'm sure they are. Now, Paul, does that mean that's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, how are they going to police that? Right. You know, how are you going to be able to keep a, a booster at such and such Ford dealership somewhere talking to this five-star kid? They're not going to have any way to know this, right? I mean, it's, it's just because they can't go and, like, ask the kids for his cell phone records and things of that nature. You can't do that stuff. So how are they going to police that? That's my question. So I think there is a concern for smaller places like Clemson um, because, you know, you know, Clemson's alumni base is very small. It's 100 and I think the living alumni is like less than 150,000. Okay. So, uh, and then Clemson is not a, not a school where a lot of doctors and lawyers are produced from. It's an engineering and a farming school. So, you know, it's got teachers and nurses and, you know, those aren't school. Those aren't people that are going to give you a bunch of money. Right. So, you know, it, it benefits, it could benefit the Alabamas, the Texas, the Ohio States, the Michigan the Miami because of Miami's national brand. Um, those are, that's why I think those schools, Southern Cal, because of where it's located, you know, so they're going to have some pools that, uh, that, you know, Clemson's not going to have. And yes, they're not supposed to do that before the kid gets on campus. But again, I just don't know how the NCAA is going to police it. I'm sure they'll do the best they can and all that. But um, you know, this could be the 1980s all over again, um, and if anybody knows what I mean by that, go look out uh, SMU, uh, Clemson, um, you know, uh, Texas, basically the whole Southwestern Conference, uh, how they were paying players. And huh. I'm, when I say paying players, they had like a, they had like an account, like, you know, they had a paycheck they got. But SMU, they got a paycheck every week. So um, it was uh, it was pretty bad. Is it going to be to that level? I don't know. But I think, you know, it's going to be the wild, wild west of recruiting right now. And I just don't know how they can monitor this and see if these guys are doing anything wrong. We'll see. You hope not because you don't want it to tamper the game and, and hurt the game of college football. I mean, let's be honest. Does Alabama need to get any richer than they already are? No. <laughs> you know, let's just be honest, you know. So right. um, and so let, let's hope they can keep it to where it could be somewhat fair for these other schools. Well, well. We're living in some very interesting times right now in the state of college football, and there's a lot of question marks, and I guess the only time will tell how well this uh, name, image, likeness bill really impacted the game of football. I I'll say this. Well, I really had a great time you know, on this uh, topic, just having you on the show, Matt. I thought it was a really good uh, discussion, and thank you again for taking time out of your evening. Hey, Paul, thanks for having me, man. It's always fun coming in. Anytime you need me, man. Uh, hey, we Clemson Miami playing the NC championship game. That's going to be my championship game. We'll, uh, we can maybe set it up the week before. Hey, well, I would love that, man. And hopefully we can actually compete this time, right? God, I mean, <laughs> the last two games, I mean, it's, it's just been awful watching. <laughs> Will, where can the good people find you? They can uh, listen to my podcast on uh, Believe Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland and Will Vandervoort. And then they can also find me on The Clemson Insider, um, my work will be up there. We we got everything from uh, recruiting 
to uh, regular beat stuff. You know, it all starts later this month with the ACC Media Days and uh, with Dabo Sweeney. We'll actually have Dabo Sweeney's Media Golf Outing also coming up. So it's got a lot of stuff going on. They can come find us. We're 100% free, and that's what's always good. And then you can, um, if you're into it, you can check out Clemson's Recruiting because that's free information we got up there too. Got to love it, man. Will Vandervoort, your go-to content creator for Clemson football and athletics overall. Hope everyone has a great rest of their night. And always, go Canes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.